mind my pink iPad case. Borrow my wife's. I've had like three different people say, you want a different case? No. This one's great. This one's great. Hey, I'm glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Man, was worship powerful or what? Oh, man, it was such a beautiful moment. When you host the presence of God and you make the conscious heart posture decision to step into the throne room before him and praise him, something magical happens. Something miraculous happens when it's his presence bringing transformation. Hey, if you don't know a whole lot about me, I am, in fact, indeed, Pastor Mike's oldest son. Um, I grew up in church. Take it back. I'm married, by the way, to my beautiful wife, Grace. We've got two children. I've got a uh, one-year-old. She just turned one a month ago, a uh, little haven. And uh, I've got a three-nager named Bexley. And uh, she is, she's a little pistol. Reminds me a little bit about myself <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, I grew up in church. Uh, my dad has been a part. My parents have served faithfully um, the, the local church, Radiant in Kalamazoo, since day one, since service one, I believe. I was two years old and grew up in church and grew up around godly friends. And uh, I was the epitome of a PK. If you don't know what that is, it's a pastor's kid. <laughs> and uh, we were the ones just causing all sorts of ruckus. During service, while the parents were doing this, we were either out there or out in the parking lot. There was one time we were sketching on the back of cars with our skateboards. Whew. Pastor John Costin put me in my place that day. Um, so I, I grew up in church. I knew tons about, you know, I, I, knew, I knew about Jesus. I knew about the law. I knew about all the rules, the do's and don'ts. I knew Jesus loved me. Um, I knew faith. I grew up in faith. And uh, I had a friend who grew up with me throughout church. He was homeschooled all the way up until high school. We hung out all the time. Um, and in high school, this guy goes to a public school and starts um, hanging out with a pretty rough crowd. Um, I started to gravitate towards these people because they were interested in the stuff I was interested in. If you've gotten to know me, you know I love anything with a motor and wheels. It's fun to me. So these guys rode dirt bikes, they skateboard, they drank Monster Energy. That was just what I was into at that age. I don't know why, but I was. I still am. Um, <laughs> Nothing's changed except Jesus has a hold on my heart. <laughs> um, so I hung out with this, this guy a lot growing up. And uh, one, one year, it was probably junior year, we were driving. We were about 17, 18. And uh, we went to, uh, I went to his house to kind of kick off the summer festivities like any good high schooler does who finally has a license and a car to drive around town and waste gas. So I uh, show up at his house and... The plan to just kind of hang out in his basement at his parents' house and play video games and drink a ton of Mountain Dew, threw that out the window. And he's like, hey, plans changed, man. We're going to a bonfire at my friend's house. And I thought, okay, I don't know this person. They're like, no, no, they're one of my buddies from school. And uh, they're going to have a bonfire. It's just going to be super chill. And I was like, all right, cool. That, that sounds fun. Something in me told me to go home, but I didn't. Uh, that was the Holy Spirit, I know that now, and if you are a young person and you feel those unctions, listen and pay attention. The Lord is protecting you. Um, so we go to this guy's house, and I show up, there's no bonfire, and it was in the middle of, like, it was hot, so I should have known, it's too hot for a bonfire. We show up, there's no parents, no adults, and I'm noticing, like, oh, this is not a bonfire kind of party, this is like a party party. <laughs> 
these guys, I'm like, where are your parents? Oh, yeah, they're out of town for the weekend on a business thing. So they bust open, you know, the cabinet, start pulling out drinks and passing them around. And in the pressure of everything, I just kind of indulged a little bit. Um, and I'm not proud of that. So I, we get back to his house around like 4, 5-ish in the morning. And I just laid in bed. I felt so sick. I was not like, I wasn't like drunk, but I was, I was not, I was not fine. <laughs> And uh, just laying in, I was just laying in this, like, futon in his basement, just begging Jesus, if you love me still, please help me. Help me feel better. I feel nauseous. I need you to rescue me. And I'm, I mean, within a matter of minutes of me praying for that, his mom comes downstairs. Remember, it's Saturday night. So Sunday morning, technically, she comes down and says, hey, guys, let's get up. It's time to get ready for church. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> I just want to lay here and cry. And try not to throw up. Um, so we go to church, super convicted, gave my heart back to Jesus again. And uh, was born again, again. And uh, the reason I share that is because <laughs> relationships, the relationships we steward, the friendships we have, they impact the trajectory of your life. I've heard it said this way. If you want to know where you're going to be in five to ten years, show me your friends. That is why friendships are so important. And we see, you know, in First uh, Corinthians, don't be fooled by those who say such things because bad company, bad company corrupts good character. We know this. We know this. We've all heard this. We've seen it in our own lives, whether, you know, we've, I've, I've personally seen um, some people I know that have had marriages fall apart because they were hanging around the wrong crowd. They weren't protecting their hearts. They weren't protecting their spouse. And I've seen people lose jobs because they've been up all night partying and forgot to wake up and go to work. So they lost their jobs. They lost careers they were working for. We've all seen how bad company can corrupt good character. I could sit here in this whole service tell you all the bad things about not hanging out with the right people. But instead, I want to focus on three things that I have personally found in godly friendships that have been a key part of my growth as a disciple, my growth as a follower of Jesus, and it's taught me how to be a better godly friend to those around me. So we need godly friends that pull us in the direction of Jesus. That's what godly friends do. And one of the ways I've noticed godly friends, they're authentic and vulnerable with each other. And I, I put in here specifically with each other because it's not a one-way street. It's two-way. You got to share. You got to get to know each other. This is important. This is important for us to be vulnerable with each other because what stays in the dark grows in the dark. What stays in the dark grows in the dark. You want to know how 100%, and I'm confident in this, 100% of affairs start, a thought, just a simple thought, how 100% of suicides start, a simple thought. Some tiny little thing that we know as believers is a whisper and a lie of the enemy. And it can start off really small. Real small. Hey, doesn't she look good? Hmm. If I don't have a place of vulnerability to share those little thoughts like, hey, I've, I'm having these things constantly come in my brain. If I can't expose that in the light. And here's the thing about that. You put darkness out and you put it in the light. What happens? Who wins? Every single time. Every single time. 
That's why it's important for us. James 5 says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And that's not always sin. It's the temptations. It's the little things like those thoughts. It's the little things like the thoughts. Godly friends are authentic and vulnerable with each other. And in, in that vulnerability, you get to know each other's hearts. You get to see a little bit more about this person. You start to see their heart for what it truly is. You know, the enemy wants to lie to you and tell you that if you, if you share this thing, they're going to think you're wild. They're going to think you're whack. They're going to think you're a little crazy. They're going to think, oh, that, that guy's something wrong with you. You're perverted. Whatever. You fill in the blank. They're going to think you're not a believer. What are they going to think of my character? I think a lot of times we get really confused between temptation and sin. You need vulnerable friendships to share the temptation before it turns into sin. The thoughts, I'm here to help you. The thoughts are not sin. You're not a bad person because you're having bad thoughts. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Jesus fought temptation. And Jesus was sinless, right? So it's not the same. You need a, a godly friendship to share and be vulnerable with. Godly friends point each other back to Jesus. When you share those things, here's what I have personally found. Pastor Braden, uh, him and I went on an event together about six, seven years ago. And uh, over those seven years, we've gotten to know each other's hearts pretty well. Um, we've gotten to know each other's hearts pretty well. And uh, in the process, I have found, and you've heard, I guarantee you've heard this said by one of our pastors, what if there was a place so safe that you could tell the very worst about you and find out you're actually loved in the telling of it? I have found that in this relationship with a godly friend because godly friends are vulnerable. And in that vulnerability, they're loved. And that brings me to my second point. Godly friends love each other even when the other one's at their worst. There have been many times where I have been a complete jerk to Pastor Braden in the office because I haven't had enough coffee or whatever reason, just an off day, but he's loved me in the midst of it. He's practiced forgiveness. He's, he's been the example of what grace and mercy looks like even when I don't deserve it. Godly friends love at their worst because they know each other's hearts. When you know their heart, a simple truth you can tell yourself, and, I, and I'm, I'm confident that Pastor Braden could attest to this, when somebody is, when, when you feel like somebody's at their worst and they're, they're just getting on your nerves, when you know their heart, all you have to say is, eh, that's not him. I know his heart. I know his heart. He's just having a bad day. And you can love and extend that grace and mercy. Godly friends love each other by practicing the following. Forgiveness, reaffirming each other's hearts, praying for each other. When you know your friend's going through a bad season, a hard season, you know how you love them? You intercede for them. You pray for them. Godly friends are important. Psalm, or Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. We need to understand and practice these things because 
This is the heartbeat of God. And while he's just and he's sovereign, he's also compassionate and merciful and forgiving. When godly friends practice loving each other at their worst, the heart of God is seen and people are drawn closer. A personal example for me is on that event, I felt the Holy Spirit six years ago inviting me to share something that I had been keeping inside for a very long time. Um, I felt ashamed, embarrassed because it was a part of my past and it wasn't who I was at that moment any longer. I knew that, but something about it, even though God had forgiven me, even though I had forgiven myself, something about holding it inside just ate away at me. And I knew if I can be vulnerable with a brother, that this thing exposed in the dark will vanish. And in the process of sharing it with Braden, I felt, I just felt love, felt compassion. And in the process, I thought to myself, and this is why this is so important, I thought to myself, if a man who's broken can love me this much, how much more can my heavenly father love me in that manner? Sometimes when a friend loves us, it's not always the way we hope to be loved. It's not always the way that we expect to be loved or even want to be loved. And it brings me to my third point. Godly friends, they speak truth into each other's lives, even if it's uncomfortable to hear. I'll say it a different way. Godly friends, they're going to shoot you straight and tell you how it is. Because they don't care about your feelings. They care about your heart. They don't care about your comforts. They care about the position of your heart before Jesus. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. The NLT or NIV says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted. When you find godly friends, this is, this is so important to us because there are a lot of times we have what's called blind spots. It's like in... Uh, you know, you're sitting down having having lunch somewhere. Just track with me for a minute. You're sitting down and at the table eating some chili or something at a diner up in the mountains. I don't know why it's mountains. It is in this story. And you look up and you're talking to your friend. He's got this big burly beard. And you just see some, some schmutz just kind of sitting in there. What does a good friend do? You tell him. Isn't it always a little bit awkward to tell them, though? <laughs> hey, bro, I, I hate to say this, but you got, like, some, you got some stuff in your beard. <laughs> a good friend does that. But a godly friend will do that when it's something that's affecting your heart. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And I just heard something something kind of important about this. And this is why I'm, I'm sharing about godly friendships today. Because there is coming a time where, where revival is going to hit this city. It's not a wish. It's not a hope. It is going to happen. I see it. And when that happens, we're going to have tons of unbelievers come in here who have been surrounded by bad company that are looking for godly relationships to help point them back to Jesus. We just purchased a campus on the other side of the city. I'm confident that's going to fill with prodigals. 
who need godly relationships. You can grow with an unbeliever a little bit. At best. At best. Behaviorally. But if you grow with a godly person, and I don't mean, I want to say this too, I don't mean you and your spouse. You need somebody outside of your marriage. You need somebody outside of your sphere of influence. You need, this is, this is my rule of thumb. I have two to three friends that know, Pastor Mike says this, you need two or three friends who know enough about you to get you fired. Because you have to be vulnerable. You have to. Your heart is at stake. And to be a disciple who follows Jesus means we have to share our faith like we talked about last week. You can't do that if you're not doing it. Having godly friends, sharpening together is how we do it. And I heard it said this way. When we think of the verse, uh, I'm drawing a blank on it, but being equally yoked. Oftentimes we hear that in the, the realm of marriage. But that's also, I would argue, in friendships. That's in all relationships. I'm not saying you can't have ungodly friends. In fact, you probably, you should. You should. But you can't be the one being influenced. You have to be the one influencing. When you're equally yoked, it says iron sharpens iron, not iron sharpens wood. If you have an iron axe constantly smacking against wood, one's going to get damaged, one's going to go dull. You have to sharpen each other. And I want to say this too. If you are struggling to find friendships, because it's not, it's not always easy. It's not always easy finding these relationships. I want to encourage you. You are in a place that, that is safe. This community is safe. We have community groups. We're actually signing up today. If you haven't done that, go jump in a community group. Find some godly friends who can help point you back to Jesus. Go find some godly people to grow with because eventually you being discipled alongside somebody, you're going to have somebody under you. So I want to stand up together. I want to pray over you today. And I, I don't want to just preach thoughts or facts or just information to you. I want to leave you with a decision today. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if you want to steward and practice these, th these three things, being known, loved, and challenged, being vulnerable with friends, godly friends, loving your friends at your worst, practicing forgiveness, and speaking truth into lives, even when it's uncomfortable, I want you to lift your hand this morning if you want to be empowered to do that. Because... We have the greatest of all friends, the Holy Spirit, to teach us how to do this well. So, Father, I just pray today over every person with their hand lifted, God, as we are growing close to you, God, part of your design is that we do it together because we're better together than we are alone. Your word says a man who seeks isolation seeks his own destruction. God, so I just pray today, Holy Spirit, you give us discernment of what friendships we need to steward well, what friendships we might need to let go of, and God, that you would empower us to walk these three things out the way that you did for us. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and this is all for your glory in Jesus' name.